how does one surf one's life? Just this idea of finding your center of balance and then realizing that nothing, nothing gold will stay. The sooner you realize mm-hmm. that everything changes, mm-hmm. that the things that happen to you are not you, mm-hmm. and that everything will be different all the time, that you have such little control over the next wave, then you'll just kind of stay in the moment, find your gravity, and be open to what's coming. Hello, and welcome to the Shiftmakers podcast, where we share the collective wisdom some of our greatest minds have to offer. I'm your host, Marianne Schnall, a writer and journalist. Over the years, I've had the incredible honor of interviewing a variety of remarkable changemakers, and it is my pleasure to share some of these recordings with you for this podcast. Welcome to Shiftmakers. Today, I'm thrilled to share parts of a conversation I had with award-winning actress, author, producer, and director Amy Poehler, who is perhaps best known for her writing and roles on Saturday Night Live and the hit comedy series Parks and Recreation. She is also the producer of the award-winning, inspiring online series Amy Poehler's Smart Girls and has appeared in numerous films, as well as directing and producing a myriad of projects, including her newest feature film, Netflix's Moxie, in which she stars and directs. We sat down at an AOL Build event in front of a live studio audience in 2014. And as you'll hear, what Amy is so remarkable at is her ability to speak across generations with humor and timeless wisdom that is almost universal in its appeal. We began by discussing her book, Yes, Please, which had recently been published at the time of the interview and went on to become a bestseller. What inspired you at this point in your life to write this book and what are you hoping readers take away from it? I wrote it because somebody asked me to. And I said, yes, please, I will do it. No, I, I, I was interested in writing a, a book from the middle. You know, there's a lot of books with people looking back on their lives and their, their long history, and also young people kind of on the precipice of their lives. And I was interested in telling a story from, like, the thick, soupy, hectic, but flavorful middle. And uh, I didn't really want it to be a straight-up memoir because I... I kind of don't like anybody knowing my business, so it's kind of hard to write about it. Sure. I wanted it to be a collection of thoughts and stories and essays and personal stories and, and have a bit of an improvisational feel in its structure. Now, you know, I find, especially with your book, which was this blend of, it was, it was funny, but it was also, it was, it was deep. I mean, yeah. there was wisdom in there. There was, you know, sort of, you know, snuck in. But I was wondering, you know, first of all, what role humor has played in your life and work, but also how it felt that people think of you as being funny to reveal this, you know, sort of serious, deep side of you. Was that scary? Was it cathartic? I was excited to do it. I, I feel like I get to do it a little bit in my acting, like on Parks and Recreation. My favorite part is of working on that show is the pathos, the fine line between sad and mm-hmm. funny and... I love that line. Yeah. I'm a real sucker for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was excited about going deep in that way and not nervous about it. And I kind of felt like if people knew me, they maybe sensed that that was something they might get or like. And just tried to balance that with, mm-hmm. you know, jokes about, you know, Justin Timberlake. But <laughs> it is kind of, I don't know, humor is constantly this friend that I get to bring along mm-hmm. uh, for the ride mm-hmm. and it always and 
I talk about in the book how I think when you go from crying to laughing fast, it like adds years to your life. So I love those moments that are just like you're so sad and then somebody says something and it makes you laugh so hard and then you're mm-hmm. laughing so hard and someone says something and you're just like crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Amy is always one of my favorite people to interview, partly because she is so funny. She has these very strong and powerful things to say, but they are almost always couched in humor so they can sneak up on you. I also love how she is so unabashed in voicing her ideas. She just stands so firmly in herself, her opinions and the causes she cares about. Why is it called Yes, Please? I say in the book that it's called Yes, Please because yes is a word I like very much and I've said throughout my life and it's kind of got me to where I am, I think. It's, a, it's an improv term and it's a way of jumping into things without quite knowing how they're going to work. And the please is because now that I'm older, I realize that you kind of can't do it alone and you don't do it alone. And so the please is is my attempt to, um, my sacrifice to the gods. And, and it's also just a nice title for my children to say. <laughs> <laughs> and how would you describe your creative process? And, and what, what inspires you? What inspires me is a deadline. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. My creative process is hellish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted to write about how people tend to treat writing with real austerity. You know, there's just like a lot of like, I dressed for writing and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I went to my writing spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, what the f- are you talking about? <laughs> this is a nightmare. I mean, writing is a nightmare. <laughs> it's just the hardest, mm-hmm. just hacking away you know it it, Mm -hmm. anytime people make hard things seem easy unless you're improvising or something you're doing a disservice in a way because hard work is hard work like you got to really work so to get to your question my creative process is a lot of stomping around and Mm -hmm. huffing and puffing and being upset that I said yes to something and and the (laughs) deadline is looming and it's just out of like the doing of it and I wrote about it in the book that I realized that this, the talking about it is not the thing. The doing is the thing. Mm-hmm. The way you do the thing is you just have to do the thing. I never Does thought of it that sense? way. Yeah. <laughs> now, you work in so many different mediums. You're a writer, you're an actress, you're a director, you're a producer, comedians. Is there one hat that you wear that feels most comfortable or that you find the most fulfilling, or is it all sort of like equal opportunity? I mean, at the end of the day, I just define myself as a professional break dancer. <laughs> and that's where I oh, feel that's that like one. that's my zone. <laughs> and the other stuff just feels like a real fun hobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like doing all those things. It's really yeah. fun to, to, to try those different things. And... Right now, uh, writing and producing and directing is turning me on a little bit more than acting, but um, I feel excited about taking up all that space. I just want to say that I just love that idea of taking up space. When I reflect back on so many of the influential women that I've had the privilege of interviewing who maybe started as one thing and then evolved into, you know, many different careers and industries or or even someone like Nancy Pelosi, who didn't even run for office until she was 47. Jane Fonda, who always has talked about her life in acts from, you know, being an actress to being an author. And now she's got her fire, Jill Fridays, even myself. 
I started out as an you know entertainment reporter and then gone on to being you know an author of four books, having this podcast, founded two online platforms. I think that is actually reassuring and particularly maybe for like young women or, or young people generally to just know that you can set out and have a goal and a strategy for yourself, but be open to sort of the unexpected and you know different roads that uh, might unfold in front of you because they can lead you to all kinds of exciting things. Season two of Shift Makers was brought to you by the Shift Network. Shift offers courses, programs, and workshops to unlock your full potential through transformative education and media with like-minded allies who are called to create a better world. Visit theshiftnetwork.com to learn more about their online courses, summits, and events. Do you have any people that inspire you? Do you have any role models or mentors that really helped guide you? Yeah, I mean, I look towards right now um, older uh, people who are older than me, uh, older women especially, who, are, who have navigated motherhood and in a career and a sense of self, and I lean on them quite a bit. And most of them aren't famous. They're just um, people that I know in my life. But uh, I'm at a time now in my life where I'm really interested in people older than me who uh, have something to share with me about how they did it. Because Mm -hmm. you young people are obsessed with robots and you're going to die at their hands. (laughs) And I should should have opened this by saying I think the internet is a terrible idea. (laughs) I forgot to say that up front. I think the internet is a disaster. It's killing us all. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, speaking of young people, you have this amazing series that I'm actually a big fan of, Smart Girls at the Party, that you developed with two of your friends and an online hub and a web series. What was your motivation for launching Smart Girls? Well, like a lot of things, my motivation was just kind of selfish in that I wanted to do a web series, that a show that maybe I would have watched when I was younger, and also I wanted to just talk to young girls I like being around them, mm-hmm. I, even though I was joking that you're all web-obsessed. But I feel very energized mm-hmm. and optimistic when I'm around young people, young mm-hmm. women especially. And I wanted to just start like a Charlie Rose-style interview show for girls where I talked to them about their kind of day-to-day, but I treated it as seriously as we do all of our actresses mm-hmm. and politicians and uh, other wackadoos that we think are important. <laughs> And just celebrate the everyday, the non-famous part of life. And then that started to grow into uh, other programs, and now we're relaunching. In, and it's an attempt, I don't know, to just do something funny and, and also, like, sneakily empowering mm-hmm. to celebrate the curious person, mm-hmm. the young curious person. Since this interview, Smart Girls at the Party has evolved into Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, and their motto is, quote, change the world by being yourself. The online series has expanded with essays from Natalie Morales, Jenna Elfman, and Brittany Packnick Cunningham, and to include initiatives like their 2017 Fueled by Failure Summit and their current series, Camp Goldiebox, developed in partnership with the Elida Hill Foundation, empowers girls in STEM. Check it out at amysmartgirls.com. The motto of Smart Girls is change the world by being yourself. And when you think about that, that seems like it should be sort of an obvious thing, you know, yeah. this ability to be ourselves. Why do you think that's so hard in our society? And is that something that came easily to you? From reading your book, I feel like you always did have a very strong sense of yourself. 
Thank you. I don't know if that's true. I think it was something I had to work on, but, but truly, and I think, you know, I say in my book, like, I'm about 10 or 15% there, which I think is really good progress. Okay. But I think vulnerability is power. I'm interested in the open face sandwiches of the world. You know, I, I'm less drawn to the um, people that obfuscate and are withholding and kind of tricky for no reason, just mm-hmm. not my bag. So I like vulnerable, open people, mm-hmm. and I think when you're that way, you're actually being very um, brave, mm-hmm. and you, by, be, by presenting the real truth of yourself, who you really are, then you change the molecules in the room, and then, then the temperature goes down. I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I remember being so surprised and touched when she brought up my site, Feminist.com, and got passionate about the topic of feminism. There's a lot of talk right now about celebrities coming out as feminists, mm-hmm. and, and also talk about whether that is even a good thing for feminism to become trendy or whether that dilutes its meaning. Oh, I want to talk s- to you about this. Oh, oh good, because I really want to talk to you about this. <laughs> I want to know how you feel about that, and also, do you consider yourself a, a feminist and what that well, means Well, I, I just should say I'm going to take this moment to plug your website, feminist.com, because I love it, oh, and um, I've loved you. it for a very long time. Thank you so much. Um, I'm interested in this discussion because to me, sometimes when people talk about don't identify themselves as a feminist, sometimes to me it's like, well, it's like saying, like, I like cars, I think they're great, I use a car every day, it gets me from place to place, but I mean, I'm not going to go on record and say (laughs) that I think cars are good. (laughs) But that being said, this discussion, this media discussion about who is and isn't a feminist is yet another example of the media attempting to divide us, to mm-hmm. take us and split us apart and argue among each other, yes. right? About So it's like, she said she was, she said she wasn't, now she, that she's mad that she's not, and she made her one. It's just bull****, it is. which it is. is just like, it's yet another attempt for us to talk shit about each other and for people to bait you into saying, what do you think about so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And, like, and it's like, well, first of all, I... It's none of my business what they want to say or do. That's what feminism is. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, what you believe or say at 20 is different at 40 and mm-hmm. different at 60. And I think we need to continue as women to constantly celebrate what we have in common and share and stop letting this society focus on how we're different. It's really frustrating. So yet again, the, the topic of feminism is another uh, example of people co-opting it, taking it out of our hands, and we have to like, kind of take it back. So that, that's my thoughts on it. You could tell that I was really riled up on that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Here I love how Amy's humor elevates a universal I have found among my many conversations with changemakers around charitable work that can actually become one of the most rewarding parts of success, the ability to give back. There's nothing wrong with giving your time and energy and money for very selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. If it makes you feel good, great. We should just say that, like, if you give money to charity, like, your ass gets tighter. We should, we should just say that. We should just say, like, doctors have shown, like, you, if you um, give $10 to this thing, like, your skin is better. Isn't that weird? And everyone's like, well, okay. It's like kale. <laughs> well, I actually hear that a lot from my interview. A lot of celebrities who 
give to causes, and it's always amazing to me how you know people think that that's the purpose of you know fame and fortune. But when a lot of times you get there, one of the most fulfilling things they find in their lives is giving back. So that it is it is this fulfilling. Yeah, and everybody. I'm sure there's so many people here who've had experiences right with stuff that they were they've interacted with something, some kind of attempt at social change or some kind of thing. Just being outside of yourself, you yeah. know, just for one second being yeah. not thinking about yourself yeah it's a relief <laughs> uh, that's why children are so wonderful because you yeah. care about something other than you yeah. which is like exactly. you know you spend when you're an adult you just spend so much time up your own ass yeah <laughs> and just to have something that just like feels like oh this is like a human connection yeah. and uh, means something is is again it's a selfish feeling it makes you feel good you know yeah. there's nothing wrong with that At the time of this interview, Parks and Recreation was coming to an end of a seven-season run. The series aired on NBC from April 9, 2009 to February 24, 2015 for 129 episodes. In 2019, Parks and Recreation was ranked one of The Guardian's list of the 100 best TV shows of the 21st century. This is the last season of Parks and Recreation, and I was really struck. You talk about working on that show as being this, like, idyllic experience, how do you feel about it coming to an end? And also, what's next for you? What's you know left on your bucket list to do? I'm so sad that it's ending, yeah. truly. But it's a privilege in television to get to end something yeah. on your own terms. And our show it has been the little show that could. You know, every season we were like, are we going to come back? The fact that we have a finale that we get to write, that Mike Sure, the creator, and I are writing this week together, that we like get to send off these characters in a way that feels like... That's awesome. I can't believe the show was on for as long as it was. It was like a dream job. And I will miss the people very, very much. They're the best chosen family yet. But, but I am creatively excited about doing other things because I have played the same character for a while and people do think we're the same. <laughs> and we're not. <laughs> as evidenced by my dirty mouth and my <laughs> cynical nature. Uh, so I'm producing and directing and writing and hopefully... But as far as another television project, I, I think I need to, like, take some creative sorbet before that, that happens. Creative sorbet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, before I dig in. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next, next phase, whatever that may be. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming. And, of course, thank you, thank you Amy. Thank you for coming, everyone. We really appreciate it. Hi, over there. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join us again. Shiftmakers was created by Marion Schnall, and season two was developed by Joy Donnell. Story producer and editor A. Kirsten. Research assistant Angela Joshi. Some audio mixing by Timothy Dixon. Special thanks to Emiliano Lamone. For more information about this podcast or our host Marianne Schnall, please visit marianneschnall.com.